Uh, it is indeed an honor and a pleasure to be here, Grace Sterling. Um, and uh, can you all give a shout out to your leadership, uh, David and Megan, really quick. There's many other great leaders that are here. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, a good space partner, evidently, Andrew Jackson. And uh, we, he, he was a part of our campus ministry uh, early, uh, early in the days of Durag Ministries. Yeah, divine unity, righteously applying God. So we've been knowing Andrew for some time. It's good to see him and his lovely wife as well. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm glad to be with you all, and uh, I'm so glad David prefaced it by saying Sister Church in Harrisonburg, um, because truly um, we value spiritual family, um, and we are, we're grateful to be that close um, with you guys, not just geographically, but also spiritually. Um, your leadership team has come to our church a few times, and we've gotten a chance to get to know people in different capacities, and it's always good to be um, just in, in another room in our Father's house. Um, that's old church lingo for saying that you have somebody else's church. Um, I also want to give a special shout out to my lovely uh, helpmate and queen, Sherelle Johnson, my wife. Can you wave your hand real quick, man? Um, she, um, she is like my life coach um, and everything, my counselor. She keeps me together. She's my faith partner. She actually has more faith than me. Uh, and it's just like when you know somebody that's stronger than you, you just love working out with them because uh, you get a chance to see them. Maybe that's just a workout thing. But I just love being in situations where I think it's impossible. She's like, babe, God got this. I'm like, <laughs> so, um, So I, I'm grateful for her. Uh, there is a word from the Lord I want to share with you all today. Hopefully it will be able to encourage you, inspire you, convict you where you need to be convicted, but also motivate you to obey God's uh, call over your life. And we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 6 and 7. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 6 and 7. And we're also, not, I'm not going to read it right now, but we're going to spend some time in Genesis chapter 6 as well. So if you actually have a Bible, you can put your thumb in the beginning and, and towards the end. If you're scrolling, you just got to click later on. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 6 and 7, um, and I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, out of the Christian Standard Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 6 and 7, and it reads like this. It says, now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Verse 7, by faith. Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So nice. I'm going to read it twice. <laughs> now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, he built an ark to deliver his family. And I think that's good right there um, for us to focus on this morning. Noah built an ark to deliver his family. Uh, if I could use for a title, topic, subject, or focus this morning with you all, it would simply be faith that floats. Faith that floats. Now, I like a little bit of crowd in, uh, interaction. And so if you could, could you just tap your neighbor and ask them, does your faith float? 
All right, now look at your other neighbor and tell them, don't drown. <laughs> Amen. And so as we talk about faith that floats, we're going to be, we're going to be digging into a couple principles that we're going to find in Genesis chapter 6 throughout Noah's life, um, as well as we'll see how he fits within the framework of Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, and so what we're going to be talking about this morning in faith that floats is when, when we are building with faith, it requires us to be both faithful and faith-filled. And when we are faithful and faith-filled, we'll see these three principles, intimacy, instruction, and influence. Uh, and when we, when we partner with God, these are the things that will be able to help you maximize where you are, also move forward to where God is calling you. Does anybody in here believe that God has more for you? Yes. Awesome, awesome. If the person beside you said nothing, that's okay. They're here to see you gain something. <laughs> they came to the buffet to watch you eat. Might be awkward for them, but I'm going to tell you, eat it up. <laughs> um, with that being said, let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we're grateful because you are great, and you gave us an opportunity to know that. You gave us an opportunity to have sanity where we can know how awesome you are. Um, Lord, we're grateful that you woke us up this morning, and you clothed us in our right mind, and you brought us to this place, which means I believe that this is a divine appointment. You want to give us something that we could not have gotten if we were anywhere else this morning. And so, God, we want to get the specific prescription that you have for our life, the application from your word, and let your word, which is living, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, may it dissect us, may it, do, may it do surgery, may it remove things that no longer needs to be there, may it open up blind eyes and deaf ears, soften up hardened hearts, and remove bondages. Lord, we believe your word has power. And so, Lord, we ask that your word would go forth and accomplish exactly what you sent it to accomplish. And I believe there are people here today that need to be encouraged. There are people here today that need freedom. There are people here today that just need to know that you are with them. So, Father, whatever they need, Lord, may you serve them up this morning. Uh, even as I preach, Lord, I pray that you will hide me behind your cross and no flesh glories in your presence. If people don't remember who Chris Johnson is, may they remember that Christ Jesus is their Savior. So, Lord, I bring to you water. May you touch it and make it wine that we may rejoice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And so when we jump into today's message, I'm, I'm not much one for intros, but I, I just kind of like to kind of give you some framework. As, as our church this year, coming into this year, um, our big theme, we always have a banner. And our big banner this year is build. Everybody shout build. And when we talk about build, we recognize that God wants to build something through us and with us, and we partner with him. Now, when you partner with God, there's a unique thing that begins to happen. You bring your natural to his super, and all of a sudden, you see super natural. There y'all go. Okay. And so when we partner with God, we begin to activate promises that are all throughout Scripture. And when you partner with God, you begin to see Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 be an everyday occurrence. It says that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ask, think, or imagine according to the power that works in you. Now, I love living a life that I can't take credit for. I love living a life when people look at it, I can say, God did it. Uh, I love having a marriage when people look at it, they say, God did it. I like when people see my wife and they say, how did you get her? God did it. I love it when my kids look cute. I don't know where the cute gene come from, didn't come from me. God did it. 
And so what I found is, though, when we partner with God, whether you have two fish and five loaves of bread, he always finds a way to do something miraculous with our mess. Uh, And so when I look at partnering with God, these principles right here, um, being faith-filled and faithful. Everybody say faith-filled. Faithful. Now, when you get to Hebrews chapter 11, it's the, it's the, the context is the hall of fame of faith. Hebrews 11, 1 opens up like this. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things unseen, which means true faith is not based on what I can see. True faith has to be based on what is revealed that nobody else has seen yet. So true faith is based on that God has given me a snapshot of what's coming from heaven and what's about to collide with earth. And so when I have true faith, this means I'm never worried about the calamity and the bombs that's flying over our head because people can't get along. I'm focused on there's a kingdom that's greater and as a kingdom that will be tangible in this earth. So when Hebrews 11 opens up, it says faith is the substance of things hoped for. And evidence of things unseen. Matter of fact, this is not necessarily part of the sermon, but take it for what it's worth. Some of us have been looking at too much and not looking at the right thing. You've been looking at things and been worried about it. Here's my thing. If you can see it, it's part of the past already. Come on, somebody. Because our God has already spoken things into existence. Everything we're living in is his yesterday. So I can't wait till tomorrow. That's how he has new mercies already ready for you when you wake up. Say, are y'all with me yet? This is why his grace is sufficient. Because he's already set something up in our future. All right, so. Faith right? It's, it's, it's the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things unseen. So Hebrews eleven six says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Does anybody want to please God in here? So if, if you say yes, that means the scripture applies to you. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And there's two things I look at with faith. Faith is like a double-edged sword too in many ways because you have faith, which means you're faith-filled, which means I believe in the unseen. Like I said, my wife, she's full of faith and she has more faith than me and she'll have me, I, I will get out a boat but she is the one that can keep on walking on water. See, I'm adventurous in my faith, but she's consistent in hers. There's, there's a difference. So I'll jump out like, God, I believe. Hold on. <laughs> Woo! Help me with my unbelief. <laughs> right. So when you're faith-filled, you are completely dependent on the activity of God in your life. Faith-filled, which means I am so full of something that's from heaven that I can't wait to see heaven on earth, which helps us understand why Jesus told us to pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we talk about being faith-filled, it means being completely dependent on God. When you're completely dependent upon God, this means my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I'm completely dependent. If God does not show up, my paycheck won't be able to take care of it. If God does not show up, no matter what keto diet or gluten-free diet I'm on, I still need him to sustain me. If you don't know what keto is, I mean, just start a new Pinterest board. Anyway, so faith-filled is being completely dependent upon God. Now, here's the thing. When you talk about being faith-filled and being completely dependent upon God, I recognize there's another element that we also need to be faithful. 
Now, faithful means to be diligent. Now, now I like this part here because this is normally this normally takes out a lot of what people a lot of people who say that they're Christian and they have faith because they kind of stop at the faith-filled part. Some people just stop right there because they believe in God, which means they believe that they don't have to do anything. It's just I believe that God will. And if I say God will, he's gonna do it. I put Jesus' name on the end of the prayer, check, done, all is well. That's not true faith. Some of that is idiotic uh, ignorance. Um, I'm a guest, so <laughs> I can say stuff like that. You ever heard people just claiming stuff left and right? I claimed a new job. You haven't showed up on time to the job you got right now. I claim financial breakthrough. You keep on buying stuff you don't need. Especially single people. Yep, that's my wife. But you sleeping with three other girls. Oh, man. David, I'm sorry. <laughs> See, faith-filled, sometimes people take it and they run with it because if you, only, if you only just camp out on the idea that God shows up and does something supernatural, you begin to treat God like a genie in a bottle. Faithfulness, though, also says not only am I dependent upon God, I'm also diligent walking with God. See, here's the thing. James says it like this. It says the demons know who he is and they tremble. So what makes you different? Faith without works is dead. So faithfulness then says, I believe that if he doesn't intervene, we'll fall flat on our face. Faithfulness also says, I'm going to do my part. Which means even if I feel inadequate, ill-equipped, I still show up because God didn't call me because of my ability. He called me because of my availability. And last time I checked, God loves filling empty vessels. He loves touching water and turning it into wine. He loves making all things work out together for the good for those who love him and called according to his purpose. Faithfulness says I'm also diligent in what he's asked me to do. So there has to be some level of diligence. Now, some of this is a personal conviction. I remember I had a big faith-filled thing because in my family, I had certain generational proclivities in our DNA, such as hypertension and, and diabetes and some other things like that. And so I grew up having parents that reached disability before their planned time. And so I remember praying about 10 years ago, Lord, break these generational curses. I was real charismatic for almost I was speaking in tongues and everything. You know, I was raised Baptist, so tongues was kind of new. I was in there and I was full of faith. God break them down. I, I declare and decree in the name of Jesus. Every curse. Send it back to the pits of hell from which it came. I curse Satan, his slippery self, and every all of his imps, all of his demons, every, every demonic spirit assigned to my life. I cancel it now in the name of I went to war, war room. I was in there. I was in there. Open up the door. Get out. And so I had a moment because I was like, listen, I'm going to be, I'm going to live as long as God got planned for me. I'm not taking myself out early. Right? So I did all that praying. God whispered to me. That's good. Change your diet. <laughs> Some people get prophetic words. I see a window opening over your head. 
God gives me prophetic words. I see you turning down your plate. I dismiss Oreos from your life. (laughs) And so the principle began to hit me. If I live in divine health, I won't just have to depend on divine healing. And so there are certain instructions the Lord has already given us that helps us partner with him. Now, if I am hit with disease, I want to be able to say, Lord, I pray it wasn't my fault. And if it's an attack from the enemy, let me be attacked because no weapon form shall prosper. And if it's your plan, I'm going to be like Job. I'm still going to bless him. I'm not going to curse his name. And, and, and here's the thing. When you are, now here's the flip side. Here's the flip side. I'm going to move on in just a second. Are y'all, y'all good? Okay. Um, when you talk about being faithful, faithful alone without being faith-filled can cause you to be self-righteous. Because some of us think that we can discipline and diligence ourselves into heaven. You call that Pharisee. You call that the law. This is why the two have to be coupled. You have to be dependent and diligent. And there are elements where the Spirit of God helps you find the place where you're supposed to walk. Now, when we're partnering with God, I see Noah as an example. Noah is an example of what it means to be faith-filled and faithful. And when we look at Noah and he's introduced into the biblical history very early in Genesis chapter 5, we find in Genesis chapter 6 is one of the saddest moments since the fall of man. Fall of man, we find Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter two, Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve, they were in the garden. God told them, don't eat from one tree. One specific tree, do not eat from. And then they wanted a fruit cocktail and they had to get it from that tree. They disobeyed God. It wasn't just about the fruit. They disobeyed God. It wasn't just about the fruit. They disobeyed God. One time y'all going to catch it. There's sometimes the things that you think are not sin just because it's good. But if God told you not to do it, disobedience is what sin is, not always just the behavior. Okay. And so they disobeyed God. Sin entered the world. God is like, man, y'all messed it up. It was all a dream. I was, no. Sorry. <laughs> if you did not get that reference, that's bless your heart. And, 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 I'm doing it for myself. Here we go. And so, they, the sin, sin into the world. Humanity was, was, was then broken. And we always had this gap between us and God. And so we find from Genesis chapter 3 to Genesis chapter 6, that gap continued to increase. And when you look at the depravity of man continuously increasing, and you read closely to what happens from Genesis chapter 3 to Genesis chapter 6, you'll see how sin crept into every arena of life, into politics, into money, into sexual activity, into uh, family relationships. And then Genesis chapter 6 comes to one of the saddest moments that I read it says that God regretted that he made mankind and so his plan was I'm just gonna wipe out everything and start over have you ever been drawing something working on something started a new year's resolution started a new diet and you just got to one point where it just wasn't looking good so you said let's just start over on Monday Monday seems to be that that special day I'm gonna start eating right on Monday I'm gonna stop lying on Monday I'm gonna stop sexing on Monday I'm gonna, I'm gonna delete Tinder off my phone on Monday like, like all of a sudden Monday just seems like that day that righteousness is supposed to kick in <laughs> yep somebody I'm telling you for somebody God's gonna convict you with something that thing supposed to start at 1pm on Sunday <laughs> matter of fact whatever time we get out of here that's when it starts don't be like oh man I got 30 minutes to get the sin out no no no, 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 
mess around be sitting in your car vaporizing marijuana. Stop. <laughs> That's raw church, sorry. <laughs> All right, and so, <laughs> so Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, <laughs> very sad time. Genesis chapter 5, when the conflict is coming up, we'll see a calling is also announced, which is another principle. Wherever there is conflict, there's normally a calling on somebody's life that should be able to handle the conflict. Because God creates each of us as a solution to a problem. And so every time there's a conflict, there should be a calling that should be able to meet that conflict. Are y'all with me? So when Noah, before he is born in Genesis chapter 5, it says in verse 29, his, his daddy Lamech named, Noah, named, named him Noah, says this one will bring us relief from the agonizing labor of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. So before Noah actually done did anything his daddy spoke a word over his life saying that he was going to be the answer to a problem another principle here there is power when the father speaks over the child and so Lemek speaks a word that my son is going to bring relief to this cursed generation. Lemek speaks a word over his son that helps me understand when Jesus comes up out of the baptismal moment, the dove lands on his shoulder. God speaks a word over the son. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. And let me tell you this morning, your father has also spoken a word over you. I know the enemy tried to speak a word, but God spoke a word over you. You are more than a conqueror. You are salt and light. You shall be an overcomer. You should be above and not beneath. You should be the lender and not the borrower. Your father has already spoken a word over your life. Yes. So when conflict arises, I start looking for my calling. Is this, God, this the problem that you created me for? I'm kind of like the Avengers. Oh, let's squad up. Let's put on my Iron Man suit. Let me turn big and green. Whatever I'm supposed to do. Right. To help and partner with God. When the conflict comes up, I don't get scared. No, I get courageous. When the conflict comes up, I start looking. God has put something in me that's supposed to help this earth. A lot of conflict exists because people haven't answered the call. And so here it is. And the thing is, Lamech, when he says this, he doesn't know that there's a flood coming. He doesn't know that his son will eventually have to be a shipbuilder because he's he just saying that he's going to bring relief, which helps me understand that the relief is what the Christian is assigned to. We should be bringing relief wherever we are. When you walk in the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, all of a sudden you begin to bring relief to your office, relief to your marriage, relief to your family, relief to your friends, because those things begin to get contagious for other people. Now, so, 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 so we find in Genesis chapter 6, let me get to the story because this is what I'm supposed to be preaching. Genesis chapter 6 we find that God says, I'm going to wipe out everything I created off the face of the earth. Genesis chapter 6, verse 7. And he says, I'm going to wipe out everything together with the animals, the creatures that crawl, the birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. But verse 8 is the turning point. Noah, however, found favor with the Lord. Point number one, intimacy. Everybody say intimacy. When you want to build faith-filled, faithful, and have faith that floats, understand that intimacy has to be a number one priority. And when you look at this story right here, it says that all of creation was wicked, but Noah found favor with 
God, man, that's a blessing right there. Because further, when you continue to read in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it talks about uh, Noah's family records. And it says, these are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God. Yeah, I'm going to let that settle. Noah walked with God. Never underestimate the power of personal piety. See, piety is a fancy way of saying devotion and commitment to God. Oftentimes, people try to get their piety so they can be on a platform. But don't you know your piety is what makes the platform powerful? See, in the midst of what everything else was going down, Noah partnered with God. Noah walked with God, not knowing that God was going to require him to be part of the salvation for all of humanity. When you walk with God, you might not know your calling, but you know your relationship. Yeah, because it says Noah, as he walks with God, he begins to walk in, in, in this intimacy with, with the Lord. He's walking worthy of the calling before he knows what the calling is. We say it like this at our church. You have to be the work before you do the work. A lot of us want to do good things for God, but I'm telling you, be a good thing in God's hand. For you are his workmanship. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, walk worthy of the call. Oftentimes I'm walking with people and I love talking about potential and purpose and what, why did God put you here on the earth? But here's the thing that I found. When people want to say, what am I called to? What am I supposed to do? Who are the people I'm supposed to minister to? What's my mission field? Where am I supposed to go? I begin to point them right here. Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Who am I supposed to marry? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Whatever it is, I have found the pathway to, to living the life God has for you is live right. Oh, that was deep. That was deep. That was real fancy for you. Yeah, tweet that. Live right. Here's the thing. When we're talking about living right before the Lord, you will eventually separate yourself because the world is already so wicked, you don't need to add to it. Just live a little bit of righteousness, people are going to look at you different. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that people look at you different when you didn't cuss out the person, when they knew the person that cussed you out needed to be cussed back at, and you said, God bless you. They said, ooh. <laughs> Priest. Whoa. That, that's what they do at Grace. Well, I'm telling you, if it was me... <laughs> Shut him down. Bow. I was like, got him. But you, you just turned the other cheek. That Jesus stuff really works. Only thing you did was just not tell him shut up. And people look at you like you're a saint. Noah walked with God. Here's the thing. With, with intimacy, uh, when intimacy is right, it normally conceives something. Heard y'all in a little bit of a baby boom here. Let me break it down to y'all. When intimacy is right, it normally conceives something. That when there is a closeness and there's an openness where a seed can be planted, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, something is birthed. Intimacy, Noah walked with God, and out of that intimacy, purpose was birthed. When you walk with the Lord, he begins to continue to plant himself in you and eventually you decrease and he increases. Yeah. 
And so now Noah, because he walked with God, he begins to get a revelation of what God wants to do. Here's the thing. It says Hebrews 11, 6. Let's go back to this. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, for whoever comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The reward of faith is a revelation of his will. The reward of faith is a revelation of his will. Ephesians chapter 5 says it in verse 10 and verse 17 for us not to be unwise but for us to understand what pleases the Lord or either to understand what is his will. Are y'all with me? Because this is the part you might not shout about yet but this is the part that will keep you over a long period of time of being faithful and faithful. That when you understand the will of the Lord you position yourself not to worry about everything else. Yeah. You ever thought about it? Jesus washes the feet of the one that's going to deny him three times. Gets down and washes Peter's nasty feet. No, Peter had nasty feet. He was a fisherman. And they didn't have, they didn't have like closed toe shoes. No pedicures. He washes Peter's feet knowing that he's going to deny him, but that's not enough. He also washes Judas's feet knowing that he's going to betray him. It's one thing to deny me. You just said you don't know me. That's all right, player. It's nothing to betray me. <laughs> Off with your head. He washes Judas's feet knowing that he's going to betray him and washes Peter's, Peter's feet knowing that he's going to deny him. My question is, how, he, how was he able to go through serving them knowing what they was going to do to him. Except that he knew the will of the Father. (laughs) Because when he knew the will of the Father, he wasn't worried about what they were going to do. He was worried about getting out of that grave. (laughs) See, when you know the will of the Father, you don't fight battles you don't need to fight. You don't try to vindicate yourself in the wrong situation, circumstances, and tribulations. No, when you know the will of the Father, you know that he has a destiny for you. And no matter what storm, betrayal, denial that you're going to face, that on the other side of it, you're still going to see him. When you know the will of the Father, you're more patient. When you know the will of the Father, you have more faith. When you know the will of the Father, you get to sit in the midst of the storm and sleep on the bottom of the boat beside Jesus. (laughs) The reward of faith is the revelation of God's will. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Me and one of my friends, Roy, one of the pastors at our church, we were talking yesterday and he was talking about how he looked at all the things that's happening, happening with the world powers. And, and, and we know Syria, that, that something, that, that they were bombed and then you had these other world powers that were standing off against these others. And he said, man, he says, but Jesus already talked about all of this. <laughs> he says, because if you don't recognize Jesus already talked about all of this, that could scare you. That could mess up your living. But you recognize he already talked about it. (laughs) You don't worry. You work. And when you know the will of the Father, you partner with him and say, God, enlist me in your army. See, I grew up in an old school church. And when you sing the song, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. And I promise him that I 
will serve him till I die. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. When you have been enlisted, you don't get entangled in civilian affairs, but you please the one that has enlisted you. And so when you are focused on the goal, you set aside every sin and weight and fix your eyes on Jesus. Intimacy births purpose. So then what we see, uh, and sometimes when the will of the Father is revealed, it's not always fun, but at least he told you. Because this is the part that takes a turn. Now the earth was corrupt, Genesis chapter 6, verse 11. The earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with wickedness. God saw how corrupt the earth was, for every creature had corrupted its way on earth. Then God said to Noah, hold on. All this corruptness and all this wickedness, God said to Noah. Last time we hear God said, it's right when he kicked him out of the garden. He tells Cain, I ain't going to let nobody kill you. Then he speaks to Noah. It's kind of cool. But what he tells Noah is not cool. God said to Noah, I have decided to put an end to every creature. For the earth is filled with wickedness because of them. Therefore, I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. (laughs) Y'all ain't heard it yet. You get the text message from God. "I'm, I'm destroying everything. you got I mean you can do it my question is does that include me (laughs) see y'all see it now God reveals his will to Noah and sometimes when God reveals his will to you it doesn't sound good initially because he said I'm going to destroy everything but if God told you he's probably warning you He's probably preparing you as well. So he tells Noah, I'm wiping out everything. Verse 14, thank you. You know, when people send multiple text messages and the other one doesn't come in on time and you have that 30 seconds of just complete panic. Oh my gosh, OMG. Uh, My great, right. From verse 13 to verse 14 was a long time for me. I'm destroying everything. Jesus, I know you ain't came yet, but I know you're up there. Um, y'all, Bible joke is Genesis. Jesus has not come. All right. <laughs> Verse 14, Genesis chapter 6. Make yourself an ark. Okay, okay, okay. Now, here's the thing. He doesn't know why he's making an ark, nor has he seen an ark. <clears throat> Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So God is telling him, build something you've never seen. <laughs> covered with pitch inside and outside. This is how you are to make it. The ark would be 450 feet long. Wow. 75 feet wide. Whoa. 45 feet high. Jesus. <laughs> Noah has not seen any edifice, building, or anything like this before. God tells him to build the equivalent of something that is 30 stories high and three football fields long. God, look at my degree. This doesn't make sense. My dad in Limick never built anything. Why did you choose me? This is too big. I can't do it. Woe is me. I don't have the skill. Does this sound like any of our poor excuses of obeying God? Nobody else is doing it. This doesn't even make sense. Come on, somebody. Y'all better let me know I'm in this room. 
Because when God tells you to do something that you haven't seen or something that don't make sense, he's probably telling you you can't do it without him. And so here's the thing. I I ran across the scripture, and I think it's worth sharing. In Psalm 25, verse 14, it says, The Lord confides in those who fear him, and he makes his covenant known to them. In other words, the Lord looks to share his secrets with those who's willing to listen. And so he tells Noah, what I want you to do, here's the solution. I want you to build an ark, build an ark, and it's going to be all, it's, it's going to be this big, and you're going to have to put pitch on the inside and the outside, and you need to follow the specifications. Point number two is instruction. Not only do you need to have intimacy with the Lord, intimacy, the reward is that you're understanding God's will. I don't want you just to understand God's will. I also want you to obey God's will God's way. Because when you follow his instructions, now you get to see that the steps of the righteous are ordered. His instructions are as important as the revelation. Y'all missed that too? Because sometimes we'll get the instruction, we'll just run with it. Let me just play, let me play this game for a second. If Noah got the revelation to build an ark, but he doesn't know why he's building the ark yet, and he's never seen one, and then God says, look, I'm giving you the weather forecast. The weather forecast is this. It's going to rain 40 days and 40 nights. Now it's going to be 120 years from now. It's going to rain 40 days, 40 nights. I'm going to flood the earth. Here's the problem. It had never rained, and he has never seen a flood. And so now I have to build for something that I haven't seen, which means i got to depend on God because if I build it with my imagination, my imagination still won't be able to fit what God's plan is. So, 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 so you're telling me build for something that has not happened yet. Okay, okay. So you're telling me, so you're telling me be a part of a multi-ethnic church. You're telling me get past the awkward conversations that normally society allows for a conflict to happen. You're telling me keep on pressing in to this because the world's going to need it. Hmm. You're telling me that even though the generation before me was racist, you're telling me to be able to bear their scars and not their wounds and not to repeat what they did? Okay, okay. You're telling me even though divorce was all in my family lineage and brokenness was all in there, you're telling me be whole and don't cop out the marriage when I get a little afraid? So you're telling me even though I'm a Christian, I accidentally had sex and now the girl pregnant not to get an abortion because it's easier for me? So you're telling me to turn to the word not to the weed. Okay. <laughs> right. You're telling me turn to the Bible, not to the bottle. Okay. I got you. I got you. So when I wind down tonight, you're telling me don't wind down with wine, wind down with worship. What you, so are you telling me to actually not allow Christianity just to be a part of my cultural tag, but actually, uh, actually the affections of my heart. Is that what you're telling me, God, to build an ark that this, that's, that people are going to look at you like, does it take all that? For 120 years, does it take all that? Imagine Noah building this. This is his curb appeal. HGTV ain't got nothing on him. He builds an ark in the front yard. Imagine his sons growing up, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah, and their boys looking at them, look at your daddy building that, whatever it is. <laughs> like, you know, people, they don't, they don't even have a good joke. They just, <laughs> So for 120 years, he has to live in this corridor of faith that does not make sense. He has to build for something that has not yet come. For 120 years, he's building and he's preaching. And while he's building and he's preaching, he has to follow these instructions. Because if Noah would have built a boat that might would have floated, it might only float it for a couple days. He might have said, well, it's going to rain for 40 days, 40 nights. And so as long as it can take the rain. And so, but God told him to put a roof on it so when it's raining, the boat won't get filled and it won't drop. Okay, got it. But also recognize the flood lasted for six months. 
The rain was a 40 days and 40 nights, but the flood lasted for six months. So God tells them, put pitch on the inside and the outside. Pitch is like what you would put on your roof, like tar, so it would not leak. And I began to look at this, and I said I wasn't going to go here, but I'm a Bible nerd and I cannot help it. You see the Trinity happen all in this. See, the Trinity, what you see is that the Holy Spirit is like the pitch because the Holy Spirit seals us. Ha, huh, are y'all with me yet? The Holy Spirit seals what God has put in us and seals us for the eternal redemption and salvation of the Lord where our identity is sealed in him. So when we're going through the storms of life, we don't have to worry about leaking because we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit on the outside and the inside. Yes, the Spirit rests on me and the Spirit lives inside of me. But then he tells them, build this expansive thing, which is so big that's going to bring salvation to all of human, that's going to bring salvation to all of humanity, but it's only going to use one man's family. And you begin to see the picture of Jesus as well. So Noah builds this ark. He follows the instruction. God calls him to build something beyond his ability, beyond his reality. And I'm just encouraging somebody today. If it doesn't make sense, it might be God. And if you can, if you can fulfill what God is asking you to do with your current skill set and your current ability, maybe it's not God that's asking you to do it. Wow. Yeah. Your skill set and your ability may help and may be the salt, but it has to be his substance that is the substance. And then I'm, I'm going to go ahead and finish here because uh, I've had fun. Okay, here we go. Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to continue. And, and this is what he says. This is what God says to Noah. Uh, verse 17 says, understand I'm bringing a flood. Flood waters on the earth to destroy every creature under heaven with the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. Noah, being forewarned about something that had not been seen, he built an ark to, develop, to, 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 to deliver his family. If you fulfill your purpose and your family suffers, maybe you're not doing it the right way. If I plant a church and then it's quote-unquote successful and people love my preaching, the worship team is great, we got cool lights, a lot of people come, and my family suffers, I'm not doing it right. See, here's the thing. Noah shows us what it looks like to be a family on mission. And a family on mission is not like family and mission. Family and mission is like either or, either I can have a good family or either walk on mission. But family on mission is that everything we do, when we go to the soccer game, son, you on mission. (laughs) Score goals and give them Jesus. (laughs) Right? That's how I'm going to raise my son. Hey, and when you lay the wood, when you come through the hole, put them on that tail and tell them Jesus loves them. Walk back to the huddle and look crazy. Why are you doing it? Matter of fact, get your eye black and just put a cross right there. Just on mission. Just go hard. Go home. Clicked up all saved, all serious, man. You know what I'm saying? Other people bang crips and blood. Man, bang Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I'm sorry. So, 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 so here it is. God builds this covenant with Noah, and he says, here are the people I want you to include in the promise. Here are the people I want you to include in what you're building. Include your sons, next generation. Include their wives, reproduction. Include your wife, your helpmate. So if the enemy wants to attack our society and attack our faith, guess what he's going to attack is our family. But when, one of my mentors said it like this, when me and God are on one accord, me and my wife are on one accord, I can run through a brick wall. And I adopted that because I got a lot of confidence. When me and God are good and me and my wife good, you ain't got to like the sermon as long as Sherelle is good. But what I found is 
because personal piety precedes the platform, what you're getting is the overflow of what happens between me and God and my relationship with my family. So I only can give you what I already got. I didn't go shopping for you. I'm giving you the leftovers from my house. In other words, when you are living with Jesus, check it out, your cup overflows. <laughs> and some of us taking food and faith off of our children's table trying to feed the church. If you feed your family right, they'll bring faith to the church. When you volunteer, they'll begin to take joy. Because here's the thing. When you begin to deposit faith in the next generation, you're going to need their faith at some point. I got a couple stories I'm going to tell real quick. One of them. Uh, I remember we, we were about to move into a, a new building uh, at our, at, at, uh, for Divine Unity Community Church. And, and we already signed a contract. And it was a big step of faith. Huge, huge step of faith. And I told you, I would jump out the boat. But then the wave slapped me and I'm done. I'm like, all right, God, I done messed up. I'm drowning. Just let me just drown right here. It's been a good life. We had a good run at it. It's good. Beautiful wife. You know, let's get some life insurance on them. That's all. Yeah. And, and so, so, so here it is. We, we stepped out, and, and, and I remember I was riding in the car, and my daughter was riding with me. And um, this was, what, uh, a year and a half ago or so. And uh, so she was, what, three and a half, four, something like that, an age. And, um, yeah, she was three and a half, and she was, she was about to turn four. And, and I remember she said, uh, oh, actually, she was riding in the car with my wife, and my wife shared it with me. And she was sitting in the back. She said, Mommy, Mommy, I had a dream about the new church. And so she was like, yeah, tell me more about the dream. She said, we were in there worshiping, and we was having fun, and everybody was smiling, and, and we were singing, God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness, and all of this, right? And I'm thinking, out of the mouth of a three-year-old, she doesn't even know the insecurities and the fear that I'm facing right now. So she shares it with me, and I begin to cry because she had a vision of what God wanted. And it was difficult for me to see it. And so when we go and we're in the building, nobody else is there. We worship as a family. She starts singing the song, God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness. I was like, she don't even know the darkness she's pushing back with her faith. Her daddy over here struggling, trying to lead. But she is pushing the darkness back by worshiping the Lord. Noah, get into the ark with your sons, their wives and your wife. And then, uh, so me coming into this year, Hebrews eleven six was one of our focal scriptures. So uh, we start teaching our children the scripture. And my son, uh, he's, he's two, he'll be three in September. So, you know, his speech is not fully developed, but it's good enough you can kind of understand, okay? And, uh, and, uh, and, and we were talking about, and so the scripture, I start working with him. I said, without faith, they say, without faith, it is impossible. They said, impossible. I said, say it again impossible to please God, to please God. All right, that's both of them doing. Then Chip, he do it. That's my son's name. He said, we're all faith. impossible to please God. <laughs> Say it again, Chip. Impossible. <laughs> and so then here's the thing. When you deposit these things into them, they come out random times. And so I think there was like a prophetic moment between my wife and him. We was watching a movie and on the movie, it was a husband and a wife and she had a son and she, and he said, mommy, is she mommy? Yes, she is a mom. She, she have a dad? <laughs> like going through it. Like, yeah, well, she has a husband. Oh, like dad. Yes, dad is my husband. Good. Then Sherelle said, Chip, one day you're going to marry a woman too, and she's going to be your wife. He said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I said, come on, son, because you need some faith to get that good thing. 
Huh? <laughs> right? And so what I recognize is the establishment of the covenant that the Lord is established with us to walk in faith. It is now on our children from an early age, so they always know they have to be faith-filled and faithful. There are people that need to be included in what you build. Not everybody's meant to help you build everything. But what God established with Noah and his people, he says, what I need you to take on this boat is take your faith, take your family, and take some food. That's what he says. It's in the text. I'm not going to preach all of this because I know y'all want to go eat somewhere. But he says in this moment, he says, I need you to take all these, I need you to take all these things on, this, on, the, on the boat because I'm establishing a covenant. First Peter goes on to say that then God redeems humanity by only using eight people. Eight happens to be the number of new beginning. Noah preached for 120 years, but only eight people listened. It was those that's closest to him. Never let your ministry be so expansive that those closest to you don't benefit. Here's the good news. We don't have to wait on Noah's ark. We have an ark in the name of Jesus. And the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and we are safe. And the faith that flows is this. No matter what storms come, no matter what happens, we have faith that flows. Genesis chapter 7. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm done. I'm done. Genesis chapter 7. It says the waters rose. The mountains disappeared. And it says and the ark was lifted. What was wiping out everything else was lifting up the righteous one. <laughs> what killed everybody else ends up being your testimony. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They was walking around in a fiery furnace. And then when the fourth one showed up, it was in the image of the Son of God. And when we think that fire wasn't, wasn't hot, when they walked out, they put some other people in. They died. What takes out other people actually is your testimony. Build with faith. Can I pray for you all this morning? Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we thank you for being God and God alone. Lord, I pray now for this church family. I pray, Lord, for all of us that we would trust in you. Lord, that we will build with faith that flows. Lord, that we will walk with you and help us find favor in your sight. Give us your instructions, Lord, that we will be able to obey your will day in and day out. God, I pray for the destinies, the purposes, and the callings that are in this room. May they rise up. And Lord, may we have the faith that will take us into this next, to this next season of life and to the next generation and the following generation. That people will know who you are and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. We love you. We love you. We honor you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.